the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Do you remember the Pulse nightclub shooter? Um, He was an angry ideologue. Uh, He killed 49 people, injured 53 more, and he was driven by hate. He was the Pulse killer. When he walked into the nightclub and opened fire, just before he called 911 and swore allegiance to ISIS. Now, after the gunfight, police shot him to death. In the days after the shooting, we learned we learned that the shooter's wife most likely had helped him plot the massacre. Now, don't forget these truths, because the trial of the shooter's wife has sought to erase them. Yesterday, her lawyers filed for a mistrial after news broke that the shooter's father was an FBI informant for more than a decade right up to the shooting. The media has also focused on the nonchalance that the shooter's father had in reaction to all the warning signs. Do you remember how weird and creepy that was? Now, perhaps he's going to face his day in court. But for now, it is important that we do not lose sight of the shooter's wife. This case is expected to wrap up this Wednesday. And let's hope that this legal circus doesn't overshadow justice that is due. When the police entered the Pulse nightclub the night of June 12, 2016, they saw bodies and they heard the constant buzz of cell phones ringing. Frantic calls from family, from friends, worried about the person that they loved. Calls that would remain forever unanswered. It's Tuesday, March 27th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, hello, Stu. Hello, Mr. Beck. How are you? Pretty well. How about yourself? Eh, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's been a bad. It's been a bad winter for colds. I got a cold again. And Do you? And yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, the allergy thing has been uh, pretty pretty brutal. I think it's uh, potentially. Uh, I mean, look, we see what Vladimir Putin's doing around the world. I assume it's connected. I mean, you see what he did in the UK? Holy cow, I never even thought of that. Yeah. Never even thought of that. I mean, it certainly makes perfect sense, it and sure I'm willing does. to jump to any conclusion if it's mildly plausible. <laughs> I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a great book. We're trying to get the author on today. I'm reading uh, The Kill Process, and uh, it's about uh, basically a Facebook. Uh, and they're having exactly the same problems. I mean, this thing is, it's amazing how, how well this is timed. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's Facebook called something else. And they're just, they're just taking all this bulk data and they're telling their customers one thing. They're doing another with it. Customers are like, I, I want to do something, but I can't get out of this because then I don't have any way to really communicate and keep friends. It's my only choice. And it shows how easily this data can be used and manipulated. The, the main character is actually somebody who um, was a product of spousal abuse, and she finally killed her husband, um, and uh, she did it in self-defense. Now she's really kind of screwed up, and she's just using, she knows how to get into the Facebook uh, you know, backdoor, and she's using all of the data to 
to track people, find out who is depressed, who might be having, uh, you know, problems with an abusive spouse. And then she uses all of the algorithms and everything else to go out and kill them. It's really oh, wow. it's fascinating. This it's, is only slightly darker than the actual Facebook story. It really uh, is. Only slightly. <laughs> slightly darker. And the Facebook thing's interesting in that think of where we've come on that. You remember when Facebook first started like taking over and becoming a big thing, everyone kind of talked about it as like these things come and go so quickly. Mm-hmm. We forget that it's such a huge thing now and such a huge part of so many people's lives. You forget that what happened to like, for example, MySpace that was a big thing for a while and then just died. And everyone was predicting that eventually the same thing is going to happen to Facebook. And now it's become such a big thing that you have some conservatives arguing that it should be treated as a utility, right? Which is another huge step, I believe, Real in the wrong direction. Um, but now, I mean, we're it actually seems like this could potentially do real damage to them. And what they're doing to react to it seems to also do real damage. They're starting to try to correct problems um, that are really bad for them in the media and really bad for them politically, but aren't necessarily problems for their users. You know, like people who go... The fake news problem, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, as a good steward to the community, right? Mm -hmm. They should be uh, aggressive to try to stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. However, that's not what their people... Their users are asking them to do. They love sharing the crap out of fake mm-hmm. stories. They love it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, I quite honestly, I don't like the fact that they're going to tell me who I can trust, yeah. who I don't trust. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't like it at all. It's a weird, it's a weird line. And now you have all these companies who have built these giant Facebook audiences to, mm-hmm. you know, write their stories and, and mm-hmm. link to them and everything. And they're changing the algorithm to a point that now you're pretty much only seeing pictures of your friend's kids. You don't like your friend's kids. Your friend's kids annoy the <laughs> hell out of you, and you don't want to see their faces that often. <laughs> Maybe when a new one's born, you get that a couple just, a couple shots, and that's about it. That might just be you. That might just be you. <laughs> I think it's more common than people want to admit. Because, yeah, you want to keep in touch with your friends. You want a touch of that. Right? Right. You know, you what you really, I mean, like you be, have to read this book because you you will yeah. love this book. It's everything that you're saying is in this book. <laughs> it's like, look, you it, the, the point of this book is and I, I mean, I want to talk to the author. Why haven't you created this competitor to Facebook? Because he's a Silicon Valley. The writer is a Silicon Valley guy. Mm. And I don't know why they haven't created it, because he's like, look, you should be able to control the algorithm yourself. You should say, I want fewer friends. Viewer pictures of my friends. I want 80% this, 20% this. You know, you could change the mm. algorithm yourself. So you are in control. So the so Facebook doesn't have control of it. You do. That's, it's interesting because what Facebook and so many of these uh, sites have done mm-hmm. is a progressive approach, yep. as you might expect. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's not the government, so it's different. They can do whatever they want with their product, mm-hmm. but they're assigning to you the algorithm you deserve and it and gives them ultimate control. It gives them control. You went there because you thought you had control because of what you like and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But that's not turning out to be the way it is. Yeah. Well, I remember there was a big change in the Instagram algorithm, which instead of giving you the pictures, your the people you follow post in order, it would give you some sort of algorithm response that gives you the things you might have missed from four days ago 
and you know and and didn't put them in chronological order anymore and you didn't get every post so even if you chose to follow someone you didn't necessarily get those in oh, your feed it's the same that's the same in same facebook you yeah, follow well, me facebook owns it yeah yeah facebook you follow me on facebook you don't get everything i post and it's like, well, I, Wait, I clicked I, yes. Yeah. I'm here because I, I wanted to, uh, you know, listen to mm-hmm. Glenn Beck and his uh, whatever thing he's spouting today. I mean, that's why I clicked yes. Wait. And I think, <laughs> Wait a minute, I do what? think that like they are, are now coming to a point where in reaction to media criticism, in reaction to political criticism, that they are now trying to solve problems that their users aren't identifying as problems. No. And that's not a good future the for a company. government, right? The government is identifying the problems and Zuckerberg is now laying down and saying, uh, you know, gee, uh, maybe we should be regulated. Uh, no, 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 you shouldn't. No, you should not be regulated. And, you know, he's lost five billion dollars in the last 10 days. Five <laughs> billion dollars in his own personal seventy five billion dollars. Facebook has lost in the last 10 days. So that's a lot of money to pour down the drain. And you kind of wonder, gee, you were, you were thinking that you could be president of the United States. But now you're beginning to look like a pretty big weasel that has information on everyone and can manipulate. I mean, I, I wouldn't want you in the CIA, let alone the Oval Office. American Financing. American Financing, we want to thank them for being our sponsor this half hour. Uh, I don't know if you saw last week, but they started to raise the interest rates at the Fed, and now is the time to lock in your mortgage. If you're thinking about buying a new house, do it now. Buy a new house and lock in this lower rate uh, of uh, interest for your mortgage. Or if if you have credit cards and they're high interest, they are only going to go up because most likely it's adjustable. Uh, and so they're going to go up. Please call and find out if you can uh, you have enough equity in your home to get a, uh, you know, a, a, a new home loan. And you can take all of your high interest credit cards and just pile them together so you don't have that interest rate. That, that interest rate could put you out. I mean, I don't know if you've ever... You know, it's been so long since we've had interest rates going up that uh, most people have forgotten what it's like when you have an adjustable mortgage and your interest rate starts to go up just a couple of ticks up and, you know, you can not afford your house anymore. You can put down as little as 10 percent, 10 percent down a second home. If you wanted to buy a second home, 10 percent, you can uh, get a second mortgage and consolidate all of your all of your bills into one loan. Uh, or you can just refinance and not reset for 30 years, but, you know, 10, 15, 18 years. They'll pretty much do anything you want. And that way you you can have a lower rate, but you're also not resetting for 30 years. American Financing. Call them now at 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. It's AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck Mercury. 
Glenn Beck. By the way, we're getting some uh, phone calls. Um, yes, we actually still have phones. Isn't that crazy? So old timey. Uh, the name of the book that I'm reading, we were just talking about, is uh, by William Hurdling, and it's called Kill Process. Uh, and I, I honestly, I don't know why they don't build this. Maybe I'll find out. I'm not at the end yet, so maybe I'm going to find out exactly why they they don't build this uh, this competitor to Facebook. But uh, it's interesting to see how our our data is being used and how you can find out anything about anyone and manipulate them it's it's really quite amazing and the book i'm reading is uh peppa pig's super noisy sound book uh it's available at bookstores everywhere right what what happens to her uh, to peppa in this one uh you need to read it Uh, and actually i I will say i'm gonna give a little bit of a spoiler here you can also listen to it because there's super noisy (laughs) sounds throughout (laughs) wow okay is that you didn't spoil that did you well, it is. There are buttons on the outside. You can press them before you get to the part in the book where you're supposed to press them. Okay, which is just right. cheating. It's just cheating. If you if you're, I mean, you know, why bother <laughs> God, opening got, the book in the I first place if you're going to do that? So I don't know if you saw what Bain Capital said. Bain and Company <coughs> released a report over the weekend called Labor 2030. Did you read this? I I did. I read the story about it. Wow. <laughs> I did not read the, the entire Bain Capital. Didn't have sounds. You can push a little. Well, yeah, thing. that's the problem. Right. He just had a little like a dollar sign button go ching every time you got to a number. Here's what it says. It's predicting now that 25 percent of American jobs will be permanently replaced by automation and artificial intelligence by 2030. Now, here's what this means. <laughs> we're we're 12 years away from this. And that's just, you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to start happening now. Lower wage earners are going to be hit first and they're going to be hit the hardest. And that's because things that used to take humans to do them, it it no longer with AI and really sophisticated automation, it's no longer going to take a human to do that. For instance, the burger flipper. That's already out now. Have you gone into a McDonald's lately? I mean, you have the touchscreen once here. Yeah. And you know what's great about the touchscreens at McDonald's is you can order things you'd be embarrassed to tell the person about. Now, like, like, let's say, for example, I was in a McDonald's with a touchscreen a week ago, and I cannot relate to that. You can't at all. You didn't put four slices of cheese on whatever you ordered because mm-hmm. I did. I uh, you can order an egg McMuffin. You could just be extra cheese, extra cheese, extra cheese, extra cheese. And you don't have to say I'd like four slices of cheese. Well, I'm getting old and sometimes my hands shake mm-hmm. and I don't like to correct it. <laughs> oh, no. So, so did you yeah. hit multiple? Well, uh, oh, no. yeah, I had multiple things, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, so you didn't mean that. to. I didn't mean to. You My just, hand your hands was shaking. were shaking, and just My kept bumping the button. Honey, I only wanted one. I only want. I only. I thought I ordered one, and it was a mix-up in the machine. I didn't catch it until I'd eaten it all on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that happens. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Anyway, uh, so. The lower wage earners are going to be hit first and the hardest. This is another reason why you don't want fifteen an hour, fifteen hour, fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage, because the more pressure point that the business feels, the more likely they are to replace you with a robot. Uh, technology is getting better and cheaper, and machines are soon going to be able to do more cognitive type jobs that used to require humans. This, is according to Bain Capital, so now. 25% in additional unemployment. 
25% of America's jobs are going away permanently by 2030. So what does that mean? We have an unemployment rate of, what, 5% now, 4%? How does the nation cope with a unemployment rate of 29%? That's the Great Depression. How do you do it? What do we do? These are the kinds of conversations that we should be having over the Stormy Daniels thing. Stormy Daniels is such a distraction. Is it really going to change anything? I talked to somebody on the on the left who was just as upset about this as I was yesterday. And he was saying, you know, this is just this is this news cycle is ridiculous. It's a clown show on both sides. It's a clown show. We're not talking about what's really going on, the dangers that we're actually facing. I agree. This is one of them. How does a country or a world hold itself together with 29% unemployment? Because that is something we're going to have to figure out. Now, what they're talking about is a basic minimum wage, which I'm against constitutionally. I'm against in all principle. I'm against that. But what else is there? How else can we do this? Because the people who are making the robotics and the AI are going to become extraordinarily wealthy. And they are going to be the ones that hold all of the power. And we're all going to be going to them. Now, the the argument is that once you take humans out of the line, for instance, once you say, well, I don't have to have a human ride a tractor. They don't have to they don't have to cut the alfalfa. They don't have to stack it. They don't have to take care of the cows. They don't have to feed the cows. They don't have to slaughter the cows. Those are all done by machine. They don't have to package it. They don't have to drive it because we don't have any drivers anymore because it's automated. They can take it right to McDonald's. It's already made into a patty by automation. The patty machine takes it and puts it out on the grill. You are just touchscreen ordering it, and it comes right to you. There's not a human involved. Maybe 20 in that entire line. And so the, the thinking is, is that if we have a unemployment rate, we should start thinking about having an unemployment rate and, and be pushing for one closest to 100 than zero. And that's a weird way. It's a weird thing to say. But wouldn't that be great? I mean, would it? I think it would. Um, at least it's something that we should morally want. I love the idea that you would not have to work and you would be able to choose to do the things that you believe are most helpful to others, uh, to whatever you would want to do. Uh, you know, we all want more vacation, right? We all mm-hmm. want more time off. Mm-hmm. You know, we've gone through but a period what in do which... We, <laughs> what do we do, Stu, with that time off? You know, most of us. And usually not nothing incredibly productive, I grant you, but still, that 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 is on us, right? Like, if we... We can, I, I've heard this argument before, and, and a lot of people make it, and I think it's a really interesting one, which is, hey, if we have no jobs, how do we find meaning in our lives? What a sad argument that is. It's very sad. Is that sad. where you're pulling your meaning from your life? I got a news Most coming in here do. talking to you every day. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> is that where I get mine? <laughs> but it certainly shouldn't be where I get mine, right? I mean, right. I, it is a really important thing But it thing is. To me, but. Everybody I know, especially now, 
they're all starting to say, I just want to, I want to do something that has meaning. Right. But if you, if you didn't have to, a lot of people are forced to do or wind up in situations where they do jobs that don't have meaning, jobs they don't want to do and they dream about doing something else. In this scenario, you'd do it. You wouldn't have to be locked up at 40 hours a week doing something you didn't want to do. So the question is, does man have the self-control to be self-ruled in control of all of his appetites and not having to work? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're talking now about uh, Bain and Company, Bain Capital, a report that they just came out with and analysis of 2030 and where America will be in uh, 11 or 12 years. And they say we will be at um, an unemployment rate, if you include today's unemployment rate, of about 29%. They said unemployment will run about 25% more or higher than it is today. Because 25% of all jobs are going to be lost and never coming back. So the question is, how does one live? Mike in Florida, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, You know, I was actually on my way to work Mm. (laughs) and uh, listening to your program. And uh, I find it somewhat fascinating. Uh, Stu talked about... uh, uh, how wonderful it would be to not be employed, uh, you know, to sit home on your butt and do nothing and mm-hmm. maybe go <laughs> brain dead. Uh, kind of sounds great. I'm 75 years old, and I had a I had a tough run in the stock market, uh, and I'm back to work part-time. And I do enjoy it. I think it keeps me young. I'm 75, and everyone yeah. thinks I'm 55, so... But my That's weird because I'm 53 uh, and everybody thinks I'm 90. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you got to live right. <laughs> I know, I know. Pipe down, Mike. You got you to gotta quit uh, pushing that button for putting uh, 10 pieces of cheese on your breakfast. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Those were shakes from my hand. But go ahead. <laughs> See, I was listening to your program. <laughs> However... Um, you know, my question is, as, as the unemployment rate rises uh, due to automation, uh, how are people going to survive? I mean, they have to ha- have to have an income, and the only thing that I could see is unemployment benefits from our government, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, I, I guess that's the only answer, or seek another field, uh, perhaps out of the... Uh, uh, robotic generation but there, i don't i don't well mike the problem is is that they're saying now that everything even creative uh writing and uh and artwork and filmmaking everything uh, that can be done can, will be done better by robotics and and ai so there is no safe zone there are those things that will come later and later and later um and the first thing that go are the the menial tasks the the average working Joe kind of task. Those are the ones that are going to go first. And and that's why we're bringing this up now, because we have to start thinking differently. Um, you know, the, the answers are twofold so far, and that is basic minimum income, which I'm not a supporter of, but what else is there? The other is a wealth tax, which I love this. 
the wealth tax is, they say it'll be 1% or 2%. Stu, isn't that what they said in 1913 about the income tax? <laughs> you know, shockingly, yes, you're right. Yes, you remember it, that correctly. And it will never go higher than 7 mm-hmm. well, I think it's a little higher than 7%. Is it? Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So they're saying the wealth tax will not be more than 1% or 2%. And what that is, is like property tax, except it's for everything in your life. How much is your car worth? How much is your house worth? How much is all the crap in your house worth? And then you have to pay 1% every year in tax. So I don't know how that works because that would stop you from consuming durable goods, things that last. You wouldn't, right. you wouldn't want to buy those things. But that tax then would be um, given to those who don't have a job. And they say that the price of everything is going to come down so much that you won't need as much money to live. I think more likely, at least in my opinion, uh, than the 100% unemployment rate is that work just becomes a much smaller percentage of our life. I mean, this has already happened over the past 50 years where we've gone to a point from uh, we've cut, depending on what country you're looking at, we've cut our working hours per year from between about 10 to 25%. Mm-hmm. And that has happened like we used to work 50 hours a week and now we're working 40 hours a week, um, whatever that is. And I think that ch- I think we chip away at that for a very long time to where, you know, it's something that you do, but it's not it's not something that is the only thing you do. Right. Again, that won't happen with the unskilled worker that won't happen with the 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 truck driver. Uh, it won't happen. I mean, you could slow it down like the unions did. Uh, in in past cases, um, but it it, it, it you'll, yeah, you might do other things. You know, and this is correct throughout it, history. Here's the other problem with it: uh, the, the, if you look at it and you look at it, what's happening in France? Remember, France went to a 30 hour work week. Now people are starting to say they're starting to rebel and going, "I want to work more than 30 hours," and you can't stop me from working. You can't close me down on a Sunday. Because, uh, you know, it's good for the economy. I want to work. And so there's this struggle. And what they're thinking is, is that there's going to be a struggle with those who have jobs and those who don't have jobs. Because even though you'll, if in this utopian view that they think is coming, which I I highly suspect is probably wrong. um, They're saying that those people that don't have a job, you're supposed to be happy you don't have a job. You could go do whatever you want at any time. I know, but what I really want to do is work on something, and you have it. And so now there's this this class warfare of those who are working and not working, even though now we view this as something of, geez, I'll I'll give up my job. (laughs) When you can't have a job, you will want a job. And so you will turn against those who have a job. And there will always be someone to lead that this is what happens when they redesign the matrix <laughs> and they when they said you get all these people want to be happy they said they wanted to get everything and now they're still mad at each other we had to redesign it um and that's this is where the the income comes in the, the difference if, if you think about work as something that you do we all think about it this way now we go to work to get the money we need to survive right we go to work now we also might go to work and we also might really like our job but that's certainly not everybody right a lot of people go to work because they need the finance, mm-hmm. financial income mm-hmm. to survive and get through the day, to mm-hmm. feed their families, to mm-hmm. buy insurance, all those things. If instead work was the thing you really thought you wanted to do and were passionate about, and maybe it wasn't about money, would that be an improvement? I mean, I think it would. The idea you're right here is if we got to that final po- point 
where it was 0% employment and how would money flow. People are tossing around things like the Mincom Finland is currently um, uh, doing an experiment on it. You know, There's a couple actually, places that are doing it. Yeah, you know, Nixon did an experiment on it in this country. That hardcore right-winger Richard Nixon mm-hmm. uh, talked about the Mincom and wanted the Mincom. Um, minimum income for doing nothing. We already have, obviously, a lot of programs that do this for in specific cases. Uh, but that was an idea that that he uh, tried to implement here in the United States. And the little bit that we have done destroys people's will. It just destroys it. I think that's true. I mean, you, I, I think most it's people, when they if they had a chance to not work, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think on Monday. Oh, I can't wait till Saturday. I'm going to get so much done. I'm going to I'm going to clean out the garage. I'm going to finally clean out my closet and get that in order. Uh, then I'm going to I'll go and do something nice with my wife. We'll go we'll go do something. And then, uh, you know, maybe I'll I'll paint. You know what I end up doing? Sitting on the couch and watching TV. <laughs> that's what I do. No, it's okay. true. It does tend to happen. Occasionally. It does tend to happen. Well, I had a kind of a version of this actually happened to me recently. Which was my wife and kids went up to visit my in-laws in Connecticut, which left uh, <laughs> Stu all alone uh, at his home hmm. for an entire uh, close to a week. Wow. Now, I will say, was there were there more movies seen in that period than the average six month period? No, let me ask you it this way. <laughs> yes. Were there whole seasons <laughs> of shows? That I, were... <laughs> now, I don't know. Maybe this is because it had been a long time since I've been in this situation, but I knocked off more off that to-do list in that <laughs> week than I had in the last year and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that to-do list was all revolving around Amazon and Netflix. <laughs> Now is the time to sell your home. Coming into springtime, now is the time. You want your home sold for the most amount of money and the least hassle. Do this. Go right now to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're going to find a great real estate agent in your town. There are over a thousand agents all over America who are just like you. Their bond is their word. They want a square deal. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibilities. And they are fully vetted and handpicked for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. So these are the people that are actually going to get your house sold on time and for the most amount of money. Now, if you're moving to another place and you don't know who to call, don't just do it by, you know, lottery. Don't just, you know, Google Google real estate agents. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and you're going to get somebody handpicked and they're going to contact you. And these people, they've already thousands of people all across the money, uh, all across the country have have uh, um, put realestateagentsitrust.com to work. And they have found that uh, they get the most amount of money for their house. They get it sold on time. There's no hassle. They feel good about it. And um, most people say at the end, I feel like I made a friend. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. She was the news too. Dead cat returns home after being buried. American exchange students in Italy start kitchen fire by cooking pasta without water. (laughs) 
Go to pasta. I think I gotta go pasta here. Yeah, pasta is a great story. Consider this a public service announcement, as well as a lesson in cooking 101. To cook pasta, boil water first. Three American students living abroad in France, Italy, uh, sorry, Florence, Italy, learned this the hard way when they started a fire in their apartment by cooking pasta without any water. (laughs) According to an Italian newspaper, oh, geez, made it in the newspaper. The 20-year-old students brought home pasta from the supermarket, and they put the dry noodles straight into a pot without any water and lit the stove. (laughs) I mean, really? Really? (sighs) The pot quickly burst into flames, caused a fire. The group called upon local firefighters who came, kicked down the door. And had a and said, "This is the most American story of all time." Is Amen, that what brother. <laughs> and we were like, "Screw yeah. you guys! We're going to the home of pasta and yeah. cooking it without any water." What's amazing is they uh, fought the fire with water. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's important. Was the pasta delicious? Uh, at the the end pasta of the fire? was not delicious. Uh, kitchen furniture, uh, no one was harmed, but kitchen furniture were burned. I mean, this was a, quite a fire. I mean, could you not put the pasta? out yourself yeah do they not because you think if you put the pasta out itself out with water then you would have had cooked pasta and things would have went okay like there's actually a solution there so if they just had timed it right could i could i ask you this have they never seen pasta cooked on tv a movie a friend mom dad the dead cat that returned home i mean no nothing never apparently not I, I feel like this is something that's uh if i may be uh, a, a grandpa which i am not yet mm-hmm. um but uh, it does seem to be one of these things with these millennials these days oh my gosh I, there's like this weird thing we've had interns and stuff that just like cook stuff like cook stuff in the microwave with tin foil on it you're just like what what, what, what how what you is this is a, i feel like a basic thing of society if you're yeah, gonna microwave you. things you know you don't put tin foil in the microwave you know, it's like that type of knowledge seems to be lacking, that sort of basic life skill, you know, to get through the point where you can get your burrito hot. Like, you got to have that life skill. We're doing a lot for you here. Capitalism has come up with a system yeah. in which they will develop, they will make the tortilla for you. They will make all the beans and the cheese and the sour cream for you. Then they will combine it all together. Then they will flash freeze it. Then they will ship it to a place right near you. All you got to do is take it out. And then they've created an amazing device that instead of it taking 40 minutes to cook, will will cook in like two and a half. All you got to do is not cover it in tinfoil. This should not be a high hurdle to clear. I don't know. It sounds very complex to me. Okay. I don't. So anyway, the, the problem is this story went nationwide and uh, oof, the comments about America, not so good. No. Uh, uh, one uh, one uh, poster said this derives from the fact that in the U.S. everything is bought already cooked. American women in the kitchen are a disaster. They don't even know how to make a hard egg. Okay, we're not even allowed to say women are allowed to go in the kitchen. That's exactly <laughs> right. Kitchen. You're going to hashtag me too if you say that. Uh, one warned others not to be uh, uh, not to be too ironic in their comments as one of these uh, three could become the next U.S. Secretary of State or the next president. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't think ironic is the word they were looking for. Mm. Um, upon hearing about the plight of Americans and their difficulty with nav- navigating a boiling pot of water, uh, the famed chef from some famous restaurant there in, in Florence offered them uh, four four-hour Italian cooking classes. Nice. He said, I understand there's, there's, you know, there's a s- strong communication deficit on the part of this city, and they need to be taught the very basics of Italian cooking, and understanding is always necessary. Uh, and the word is that the students uh, are going to be able to uh, uh, take this and want to take this as soon as they figure out how a wired telephone works. Then they're in. Isn't <laughs> Probably true. I will say this uh, to Italy. Um, we at least haven't elected Mussolini. Uh, you, we, maybe wow. we're not good at cooking wow, things. going back to that. But we haven't elected Mussolini, which is nice. That's at least one thing we can say that we have not done, but you did. Uh, we didn't. We, you know another thing we didn't do? <laughs> Ally with Adolf Hitler. We didn't do that either, Italy. Yeah, your food is really good. Uh, but we didn't, like, assist in a genocide. Right. That was, I thought, a nice thing that we right. haven't done. Right. So, yes, we, we suck at cooking pasta. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with our side of this historical argument here. I got to tell you, I'm going with the pizza. I'm going with the pizza <laughs> and the pasta. I mean, when it all comes down to it, really, they've eaten well. No matter what was going on. That's true. They've eaten well. Uh, and... Uh, Really, I mean, I, you know, I hate to use this phrase, but to boil it all down, that really is kind of where I live. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. California is suing the Trump administration. Why? Because they had the audacity. No, actually, they had the sick, twisted gall to actually ask people living in the United States if they were citizens of the United States. You can't ask that. Oh, that hurts. You can hear the babies cry right now. The Commerce Department revealed last night that the citizenship question would be added to the 2020 census. And California lawmakers lit up the horror california attorney general tweeted the quote the question is not just a bad idea it's illegal can you wait it's illegal what what law and by the way being here without papers is also illegal just want to throw that in california oh Sit down, please. This is a citizenship question, not the Jewish question. This is a check in the box. Are you supposed to be living here? Check yes or no. I remember where citizens used to have to travel to a a city of their birth, you know, ride uh, on the back of a donkey, even if you were pregnant for the census. Okay, Trump isn't Herod. He's not going to kill all the little children. All you have to do is put your little check mark, yes or no, that's it. I mean, the, the, the country knows why you really care about this census. And it's not because you care so deeply for illegal immigrants. This is all about political power. Think this one through, America. If progressive lawmakers can weaponize illegal immigrants, they can 
They can make them citizens. What is the census for? To see how many representatives you get in Congress. It's why they want open borders. It's why they've changed the word illegal and replaced it with undocumented. When states such as California refuse to follow federal immigration policies and allow anyone and everyone to pour into their state without consequence, they know that they're guaranteeing one certainty. It's not security and it's not safety. They're banking on loyalty, votes, and expansive power in Washington. Trump is counting on that fact that non-citizens will refuse to answer this question. That will affect the, um, the uh, number of congressional seats. Wait a minute. Hold it. If that reduces their power in Congress, you could then deny sanctuary states of political power, and that could block federal grant money. This is an attempt to nullify the advantage that progressive lawmakers have been building for years, an advantage they've gained by by allowing and encouraging people to break the law. This addition to the to the census is a consequence for their lawlessness. And the battle between California and the Trump administration is just beginning to heat up. I mean, we might end up being better off in the long run if Trump does extend his wall to include California. It's Tuesday, March 27th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm going to lead with this tonight at uh, 5 o'clock. And um, California, I'm on your side. No, no, no. I I am. And, you know, Donald Trump doesn't want to count these people as citizens at all. And uh, mm, that's wrong. But you're going to have to compromise because if you don't, you know, then it's just then you're never going to be able to get anything through. You're never going to be able to get anything done. You know, we'll just fracture even more and you'll lose all of that power. And so, you know, he'll get his way. So I was thinking this morning. He's not going to let you count him as a citizen, right? So how about. How about you compromise and count them as a quarter of a person or half a person or three-fifths a person, something like that? Because that way, you'll get your way. They'll be counted. You see what I'm saying? And it can slowly ease into everybody saying, yeah, they're citizens, even though we know they're not citizens now, but if you could say they're three-fifths citizens, it's not that big of a deal in a few years to say, yeah, they're total citizens. What do you think, progressives? Good idea? No. You're right. It's better if you hold your ground right now and say, I'm going to count them as zero. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to count them as zero. Because then you'll win. Hmm. I'll, I'll present that. Uh, I mean, this is noodling it now. I'm, I'm going to present that whole idea here. I think it's been tried before, but uh, we'll uh, present that idea in today's age. 
coming up at uh, 5 o'clock only on the Blaze TV. Theblaze.com slash TV. All right. Last night on television, we talked a little bit about uh, Spooky Dude. Spooky Dude is back. Back to the chalkboard and uh, looking at all of the connections. Because the uh, did anybody see that the press, CNN was actually writing a story yesterday saying these kids, these crazy kids, they get into their mystery van and then they just go around and they drive and they saw the dog even helps them solve murder mysteries. It's crazy. They they just the media just thinks wants us to believe that this is just these these marches were just spontaneous. And is there anyone within the sound of my voice that believes that the teenagers could have pulled something like this off? I mean, I don't even think they could have pulled off the the plexiglass, you know, uh, podiums. Because I, I, you don't think that if teenagers were doing this, they got the busing down, they got the permits, they got the police, you know, they have the insurance all done. They they got the staging and the speakers and the and the music and and the inv- invitations. They got all of it right. These poor Parkland students who have been through so much. You don't think one thing they wouldn't have like looked at each other and went, "Oh crap, we forgot the podium." No, they even had the podiums, the really nice plexiglass ones, and the the really expertly printed signs. A lot more organized than I was at 17, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, they're good. They're mm-hmm. amazing. They're amazing. Okay, so what what really happened? Well, you are seeing an, a coordinated assault on the Second Amendment, and you know that. But there's one story that nobody's talking about that we mentioned last week that I think is important to mention again i want to give you a quote guess who said this i'm very much against guns and if it can be organized on a large scale i wouldn't be opposed to taking them all away you're right henry kissinger (laughs) henry (laughs) kissinger it's an interesting impression yeah spooky dude spooky dude george soros Mm -hmm. i'm very much against guns and if it can be organized on a large enough scale, I wouldn't be opposed to it, meaning taking away all the guns. Now, we found out yesterday that Remington, the gunmaker, has officially filed for bankruptcy protection. But there's a lot of things going on with that. And one of those things is people have stopped buying guns. There was this huge run on guns at the very end of the Bush administration, and it went through all the way for the last eight years. Well, these gun companies, they all geared up to make all kinds of guns. Everybody's buying guns, and it's going to last forever. And then Trump comes in, and everybody's like, whew, well, we don't have to worry about our guns being taken away. Crickets. The gun stores are hearing crickets, even at this time. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton were in office and this debate was going on. How many guns? You wouldn't be. I'd still be standing in line the day after the <laughs> Parkland shooting. I'd still today be standing in line at Cabela's. But because people think that Donald Trump is in, this is not going to happen. People are not buying guns. And so gun sales are way, way down. Well, Remington is the first one to go into for, for bankruptcy protection. But there's something else that happened. How realistic is it, Stu, that we will sign away our Second Amendment rights? How realistic is it that we will without sign it, away? Without a civil war, 
how realistic, what would it take to get America state by state to repeal the Second Amendment? I mean, incredible amounts of emotion driven by incredible amount of tragedy that we can't even imagine at this point. I mean, nothing, nothing even close to what we're dealing with now. And I don't I still think it would be incredibly difficult. And certainly I don't think you could avoid in this country a civil war if you were to take try to go house to house and take people's guns away. That would not be pretty. And it's not doable. I agree with you. Repealing the Second Amendment does not mean all the guns are off the street. People, I think a lot of times are like, oh, well, that's all you'd have to do. No, it's still 320, 330 million of them out there. And many would not be turned in day one. I don't. What do I you? think it's the way is that I would phrase that. Now, luckily, you've already turned yours into the military, so you don't have to worry about well, that. That was Pat. I mine were just lost. I don't know. Where. I don't think you want to talk about your guns being. I think it doesn't seem better than the alternative. Well, they weren't lost. Lost. They oh, were. Okay. They were lost. You melted them. Did you melt them down? Military. You lost them, and then I no, I melted them. Anyway, let's not focus on that. I just don't have them anymore. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. None of the them. The entire collection. Entire collection. Because you spent a long time acquiring, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. antique weapons. Mm. Darn uh, it. Uh, many useful weapons. Nope. And then all of them you, you yeah. either even, melted or even gave the, to the military. Even the gun that we got in Disneyland years ago. Yeah. Gone. And again, they were Damn either. Damn those kids. Did you melt them on the way to giving them to the military? How did that happen? I don't know, but I've been calling for the mystery van to come and see if they can figure it out. Oh, I have no idea. It may have been ghosts. I don't know. Let's not get into it any deeper than this. So we know that it's not reasonable to go for the Second Amendment, right? That's where progressives come in. What's the idea of progressives? Well, what you do, Glenn, mm-hmm. is you just take little steps. Little reasonable. Steps. Let's call them common sense steps. To just right. you just let's say infringe slightly on your let's say right to bear sense. arms right in a common so we, sense. So fashion. we just take it little by little, and then Cass Sunstein he would suggest, what do you do with the people then? You nudge, nudge them, them, right? Mm-hmm. A little nudge. I'm going to show you a pretty large nudge that no one is talking about. And you get two more of these nudges, and I don't think you have to worry about the Second Amendment. I don't think you have to worry about it. I mean, if you're a progressive, if you're you, yeah, you're going to have to worry about it. Two nudges is all it's going to take. They've already done one. Three, and we're out. Because there was a time I would say absolutely no chance of the Second Amendment going away. But the way we have seen people change over the past Mm, decade. You don't even need to get anybody to change. I'll really? show you the first nudge that happened last week that nobody's talking about, and you should be aware next. Have you done your taxes yet, Stu? Uh, no. Yeah. I, I mean, tax day's in October. Why would I do them now? Ta- tax, tax, tax day's in October? Yeah. October 15th. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the, the, the extension tax day which i file every year it's usually what i do too (laughs) but uh anyway irs has uh, released their annual dirty dozen list of the tax scams and phone scans scams the the this is a good reason why you shouldn't file the extension but i know i know because by the time you get to it somebody else has filed for you and you're like wait what hold it 
the deal is is that people will call taxpayers and tell them that they owe money and they have to pay promptly or they're going to you know be punished and they're going to come and take your property they'll call you up hi uh it's a uh, bill from the irs they're a little more credible than this but people are falling for it and there's a lot of threats in today's world uh and it just takes one week wink <laughs> i don't know what the hell's wrong with me one week link well you are very drunk that's one thing is that what it is it's hard to do a show when you're i don't remember drinking oh my gosh blackouts yeah that's probably i'm blacking out (laughs) even the drinking yeah yeah that's tough might be having an aneurysm but (laughs) i'll have it checked out in a week or so anyway lifelock identity theft protection is there and they add to the the power of norton security now to help protect you against the threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if you have a problem, they have the agents that'll work to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BACK for an additional 10% off your first year. That's promo code BACK. Get an additional 10% off now at LifeLock.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So if you're a progressive, how do you how do you short circuit the Second Amendment? How can you pull guns off the street? How can you stop gun sales? Well, you could do it a couple of ways. You can go through the Second Amendment and through Congress, which is going to be a headache. Hmm. You could go after the manufacturers, which George Soros said, when I believe it could be a coordinated attack, we can uh, talk to uh, institutional investors and drop their stock. That is going to happen. Money doesn't talk, it screams. Money, money, money. Stu, name the top four or five banks in America. Uh, All right. Uh, Number one, J.P. Morgan Chase. Number two, Bank of America. Number three, Wells Fargo. Number four, Citigroup. Number five, Goldman Sachs. Hmm. Hmm. If you really wanted to circumvent and crush the industry... All you'd have to do is to go to, let's say, Citigroup and say, hey, Citigroup, don't take any more transactions from gun stores. Let's start here. Gun stores that sell guns to people under 21. And if they sell high capacity magazines, if they if they sell uh, ARs, don't don't do business with them. If you could get Citigroup to do it, and then you could get Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, or Wells Fargo, nobody has anywhere to put their money. Nobody can use their credit cards to buy guns. Nobody can make a financial transaction. You've put the gun industry out of business. Last week, there was a story that I haven't seen reported anywhere. It was reported here last week, but... You need to know about it. Citigroup did that last week. We are no longer going to offer any financial assistance 
There will be no transactions with our credit cards, investments, loans, banking services, no services to stores or people that are selling guns under 20 to people under 21, which is legal. Under 21, if you sell uh, high capacity magazines, you will no longer be able to have any financial services from Citigroup. So what happens? Citigroup loses those gun stores. They go over to Bank of America. They go over to Wells Fargo. They go to Chase Manhattan. What happens if one of those said, you know what, we're going to do the same thing. This is happening. This is happening. So far, it's only Citigroup that's doing it. May I recommend, if you have money with Citigroup and you believe in the Second Amendment, you call them and let them know, I don't appreciate your new gun restrictions. I'm moving my money. And when you open an account with Bank of America or J.P. Morgan Chase or Wells Fargo, you tell them, by the way, I'm opening up an account with you because I left Citigroup because of their stance on gun stores. You have to show the power that you have before the other three banks. Because look at this. It's Citigroup, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and then Goldman Sachs. I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've never seen the little kiosk for Goldman Sachs. I don't, it's not even, I don't even think of that as a bank. That's number five. All you have to do is take three of these out. You take four. Well, you think Goldman Sachs is going to? Yeah, I'm, we're, we only take. I'm sorry. We only take uh, Goldman Sachs credit cards. Yeah, you think the American Express card is hard to buy stuff <laughs> with? Try a Goldman Sachs credit card. That's $13.2 trillion in total wealth. But you take out those top five banks, you've taken out $10 trillion of that. Who's going to do business if the top two, three, four, five banks won't do business? Uh, any kind of commercial services for gun stores gun providers how do you buy them glenn beck mercury this is the glenn beck program so now we were talking about what is happening with Citigroup, where last week they said that they were going to stop all financial services to any um gun organization or gun store or anything that that uh, sold uh, guns to anyone under 21. They sold high capacity magazines. They would offer no financial services, so they won't, you know, they won't take credit cards. Uh, won't accept, uh, you know, um, credit. They won't take out. They won't allow them to take out loans with uh, Citigroup. Uh, do banking with Citigroup at all? So one of the big five is already out. And I, I contend there's really only four big banks. Um, you know, Goldman Sachs is not a bank. I know it is, but it's not it's not what everybody thinks of as a bank. Now you can go to the smaller banks, but what are the repercussions for those smaller banks because all banks work together and it's kind of like what the pot growers are going through right now. You know, there's some pot growers that you know, they they can't do any financial services with any bank because it's technically illegal federally and so they can't go to a bank. And a lot of these these, you know, pot distributors living in states where it is legal to sell pot don't have any place to put all the money. Here's where the answer comes. What are they doing? 
They've created their own cryptocurrency. And they're asking people, if you want to buy pot, we'll give you a discount if you send the money into this cryptocurrency and then you use these tokens because the pot growers don't have banking services. And it's starting to work. This is another reason why I can't imagine how the government is going to allow cryptocurrencies to work because the more the government decides to screw around with you, if they start, let me ask you this. Everything stays the same except all of the banks say, we're not going to do business with Cabela's anymore. We're not going to do business with any firearm store anymore. And Cabela's is on the verge of bankruptcy because they can't take credit cards or anything else. What percentage of this country would transfer money into a Cabela's token or to a Bitcoin and go to Cabela's and just buy it on Bitcoin? I would. Would you? I would do it out of principle to protect them. Yeah. I mean, it would. would, it's the type of thing that if, you know, they start taking away rights especially a right as important as that one i mean there's gonna be a lot of people who would do that and it's funny you know obviously the 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 pot thing is kind of going the other way right it's something we haven't had access to and all of a sudden is available in many states Mm -hmm. uh so you can kind of see that happening they'll probably embrace that before they embrace embrace guns um but you could see you know with citibank doing this it's a big deal i mean it is it's i don't think it's legal first of all um, you know, and it, because there are laws in at least some states that require you to sell um, to people who are legally able to buy. You can't um, discriminate no. on no. basis of age. No. And it's funny because a lot of these things were included by left wing. Uh, they were started by left wing groups who said, you know, who wanted to, they just, you know, they gave that list of like age, gender, you know, uh, sexual orientation they go through the big list of things you're not allowed to discriminate on and the bottom line is like you have to sell to everybody if they are legally available to buy it it doesn't mean you have to sell liquor to a 13 year old but you can't avoid selling liquor to you couldn't just say you know what i think 25 is the right age for liquor purchases so no everyone between 21 and 24 i'm going to say no to that's illegal in several states so i don't know i mean that hasn't been challenged in court yet these you know dicks is the same thing you know, Dix is saying we're not going to sell guns to a 19-year-old. Well, 19-year-olds are legally available to buy guns. Just like you can't say I'm not going to sell them to a 70-year-old because I think old people shouldn't have them. You can't do that. That's age discrimination. And they're going to get sued over it. That's going to happen. Um, I don't think they should. You know, but the, and it's funny because it's sort of the libertarians yeah. in, in me says... Uh, you know what? It's their right, and they should be able to sell to whoever mm-hmm. they want. However, the law, the law is the law, uh, whether you like it or not. I don't like paying income tax, but I still have to pay it. Um, so these people will have to deal with the legal consequences of their newfound, uh, you know, uh, opposition uh, to selling firearms from a store that sells them all the time. Right. So I just, I, I, I kind of like the fact that you know, I know exactly who Dix is. I know what they really actually believe, what they really want to do, what they will do, what they have done. Mm-hmm. And now I know. Yeah, let's go keep, somewhere else. Keep driving past dicks. I mean, oh, and yeah, but I only need, you know, uh, you know, basketball, whatever. I'm not going to buy it at dicks. I mean, I, I like that. I like that. I, I like that, too. However, the law is 
I know, I know, is. I know. And they're gonna have they're gonna have to deal with it. It's funny because all the progressives who will will now come on the side and say, "Of course, you're able to discriminate on the basis of age. It's what we want today, and that will be the basis of their entire argument. It's what we want today. Therefore, we should be able to do it." Well, this is why your laws, uh, you know, have consequences you don't necessarily consider. As a as a company, you know, look if you've got a. Uh, a constitutionally guaranteed right. I don't know how you, you know, this it's these restrictions aren't constitutional anyway. And they'll be they'll be opposed from a constitutional basis as well and it will likely go to the Supreme Court anyway. But I don't think even from a state basis you're able to do it, at least in several states. Let me go to uh, Chase in Washington. Hello Chase, you're on the Glenbeck program. Hi, good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, you kind of raised the point that I was going to bring up about the um, marijuana, the pot industry, that the banks don't do business with them. And uh, it's legal here in Washington, So, um, but it creates a, a lot of cash, which comes with its own mm-hmm. issues because you have armed security guards. Um, the, the product is being, is being traveled. It's armed. Um, but... I would pull out. I would if banks stopped buying, stop doing that. It, I don't think it's going to stop Americans from buying guns. To be honest with you, I feel enough Americans have the attitude of me. Well, kind of like Pat the, a few years ago with the AR ban that was supposed to be coming. You know, he went out and he was like, "Well, I'm getting one," mm-hmm. and so did millions of others. And I think this would just. I think they the banks start doing this more and more it's just going to push more and more americans to buy guns i feel gun owners get entrenched and uh they they hunker down when it when they start messing around with the second amendment would you how do you feel about Citigroup doing this now oh i think they're absolute snakes in the grass um the nobody looks at history anymore glenn anytime atrocities have been happened by government, the first thing they do is they take away the citizens' right to defend themselves. Oh, you're a kook. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Darn history. <laughs> I know. History's mystery. That, uh, we're past all of that stuff. Thanks, thanks so much, Chase. I appreciate the phone call. We'll take your phone call next, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Let me tell you about our new sponsor. It is FilterBuy. FilterBuy. FilterBuy is America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes as well as small businesses. And uh, recently, I, I got the opportunity to talk to the owner, and I really like this guy. David was working on Wall Street. He had a big title. He was making a ton of money. And about five years ago, he found out that the supply business that his grandfather had started in 1958 was being sold. And all of those jobs in Alabama would be lost forever, and the heritage would be lost. So David decided to quit his job, and uh, he bought the business. And he transformed you know, that little company into FilterBuy. Now they employ over 100 people in the same little town here in America. And all of their air filters are manufactured in Alabama. They're shipped for free within 24 hours. And you can even set up auto delivery and you'll save 5% on top. They have 600 sizes available. I mean, I don't, you should see the, the filter size for this place. 
It's enormous. They can fit your home. They can fit, you know, this building with 80,000 square feet. They can customize them, and they do it all here in America. They do it for less, and you can have it within 25 uh, or 24 hours. You're going to find the right filter for your home or for your business at filterby.com. That's filter, B-U-Y.com. Filterby.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. We go to Dan in Georgia. Hello, Dan. You're on the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? Hey, listen, man, real quick to the point. I'm trying to figure this out. Now, the left says that you have to bake a cake for a gay couple because that's the right thing to do. And I guess constitutionally now that's, you know, they said that that's what we got to do. But constitutionally, I can buy a gun at the age of 20. But they say that I can't buy a gun at the age of 20 because it doesn't feel good to them. Are they going to represent me or are they going to represent the baker or i'm just kind of i can't keep up with these people <laughs> no i know that I, is I, you know here's the thing have, have you ever really looked into postmodernism? <laughs> no okay no. postmodernism. it just just google search it Postmodernism is what we're going through right now it is it is you know and i i was going to write a book on it and uh, simon and schuster said nobody wants to hear that and i said <laughs> yeah nobody wanted to hear about progressives either i'm telling you this is what's going on um so uh, postmodernism is this idea that is um, that is beyond uh, the modern thought. M- modernism is the enlightenment and facts and reason and enlightenment. What what postmodernism is? Life has no meaning. There is no objective truth. There is no objective reality. It is just what you want it to be. So it is a dismantling of facts and reason. That's what's being taught now, that you are what you think, that your reality is now my reality, too, because you say it's a reality, that the X and the Y chromosome don't matter anymore, even if science says, because somebody else says, I don't think that's right. That's postmodernism, and it makes no sense. It causes chaos. That's what was being taught. That's how we're living now. We've passed the modern world. It's why I've been saying the last few weeks, we've got to get back to the principles of the Enlightenment because that is, it's being replaced by postmodernism. Thanks for your call. I'm sorry to bore the snot out of you on that. Let's call, uh, let's talk to uh, Marilyn. Hello, Marilyn. Hi, Mr. Beck. How are you? Good. Okay. Last week, when I heard that story for the first time on your show, mm-hmm. I called Sue's bank to close my account. They answered the phone. Thank you for calling Citibank. Are you calling about our new policies? Wow. wow. <laughs> I would give anything to know how many people have closed their account. How, how do we find that out? Uh, well, I don't think Citibank's going to talk about that. That would be very bad for their shareholders. But I will tell you this. If they're answering their their calls like that, you can bet uh-huh. it's quite a few. And, and Marilyn, have you seen this story anywhere else? No, no. I, I mean, your show last week and I acted immediately. Yeah. Thanks. Good for you, Marilyn. Where'd you put the money? Unless uh, you... I didn't. I just closed my account. Okay. All right. All right. 
All right, good. Um, you can send us some if you want. We support the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, we're tracing the call so we can check under your bed later. Um, <laughs> let me go to Brian in Ohio. Hello, Brian. Hello, Glenn. Hey, a uh, couple of real quick points. Uh, first of all, there are banks out there in this country that are uh, part of states that are republics. For instance, uh, North Dakota and also Texas. They aren't part of our central banking system, which is what uh, we fought a revolutionary war against in the first place. Mm. Uh, and uh, as far as going back to uh, postmodern progressives, uh, that's just a term that we should stop using it and start calling the, the kettle black and call them socialists for what they are. And as far as Bitcoin goes, bring it on. That's exactly what our forefathers wanted. It's not the government out of our money. It's the dream for federalists and libertarians. Bring it on. The more it's a it's a welcoming it's welcome to me i will tell you brian that i'm i'm with you on that that we are entering a time of more freedom not less uh it's just going to be this transition and you know uh it will require governments to become more and more hostile to people's and individual rights uh and you know that's they're not going to go quietly nobody's going to lose this much power and this much money and go away quietly in the night um, and that's the underlying tension that I think that we're feeling is the smart people know this is coming and the smart people know, holy cow, that wait a minute. What does that mean for me? And they know that they're going to lose their power and their and their uh, ability to manipulate. Uh, and and so that's really what you're you're feeling. And you're feeling it even through things like Facebook. We kind of went to Facebook because we thought, okay, hey, this is great, and then they're gonna, we're just gonna be able to have our own news feed, and we're gonna get the news we want. Well, that's not what happened, is it? We're getting the news feed they think we want, and now they're giving us the news feed the government says that they should give to us. They're defining what hate speech is, what fake news is, and we all know that fake news is real. We all know that that Russia is trying to influence. However, now we've got the government wanting to get involved and telling Facebook, who has all of our algorithms uh, or has all of our information in their algorithm, exactly what they should show us and what they shouldn't. I'm going to show you something on TV tonight. This has been done before. When, when you started to go down the road of radicalism because there was high unemployment and there was you know civil unrest, the government, what did they do? The first thing they did said, control the media. I'll show, I'll show it to you in history tonight at 5 o'clock, only on theblaze.com slash TV. By the uh, way, uh, did you hear that they're, they've developed uh, melting-resistant ice cream? I'm going to cover that on theblaze.com slash TV. Bet you won't. Won't talk about the real well, stories. So no, think McDonald's about that. We can have- that. McDonald's did that in like the 1950s. What are you talking about? Have you ever had their, notice it doesn't say milk? Shake. You ever had their shake? Have you ever? I lived in Arizona. It doesn't melt. It just gets hot and frothy and nasty. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't something new, and I don't think something that we should be working on. I want my flying car first. Glenn Beck Mercury. Uncle Sam just unfriended Facebook. This should prove to be interesting. 
Yesterday, the FTC announced a broad investigation of Facebook, saying that they have substantial concerns about the privacy practices of Facebook. In a letter to Facebook, founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg, a group of state attorneys, uh, state attorney generals, demanded specific answers about how companies like Cambridge Analytica is getting all the information of Facebook users without those users' permission. The moves by the FTC and 37 state attorneys general, in addition to the three congressional committees, committees that have already called Zuckerberg to testify next month about the user data breach. Facebook has also been sued by Cook County, Illinois. State attorney says the, uh, that Facebook violated Illinois fraud law. One Facebook user is suing them for violation of private, uh, user privacy. Another shareholder is suing because of the steep drop in the stock price after the Cambridge Analytica data, data harvesting scandal was revealed. Is this just a bump in the road or is this just the tip of the iceberg and are they the Titanic? Because of all of the negative headlines, Zuckerberg's late effort to answer questions about the Cambridge Analytica mess kind of really didn't help. Facebook stock lost $75 billion in market value last week. $75 billion with a B. Forbes reported that the personal net worth of Zuckerberg dropped by $5 billion. What does that feel like? Stu, what do you think that feels like? How much is he worth? $50 billion? I don't know. Is he that much? I'll check it out. What would that be like to lose? Do you think he'd even feel it? Do you think he'd notice it? Uh, so 62.2. So he's probably down to the 50s now. Uh, 62.2 billion. I, I mean, you'd notice it, certainly, but I, you certainly doesn't change your lifestyle. I think he is. You're not like, hey, honey, we got to cut back on the dinner's out. (laughs) No more Uber Eats for us. Uh, We got to go pick it up ourselves from Panda King. (laughs) I think uh, when he is legitimately now uh, fearing a downturn in his business, there's a lot of things. you You said this earlier today. You remember MySpace. I mean, I remember it because weren't we working at Fox with Rupert Murdoch when MySpace, he bought it for like a billion dollars, maybe more. And and then like the next day, it was like, really, it felt like the next day. But within a very short period of time, it was worth nothing. It was worth like, I think Justin Timberlake bought it for like $25 million. And I was like, oh my gosh, he bought it for nothing. Now it's worth like eight cents. <laughs> it was like now the other Justin Timber, not the famous one, bought it. Just some guy <laughs> named some Justin Timberlake. Timberlake bought it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know that you necessarily feel it, but I I think he's. I don't think he's a guy necessarily driven by money. Zuckerberg's different than you know a lot of these billionaires out there uh, who have done nothing but try to you know like I mean they might care about things, but like they're driven by no, cash. He's, he's, he's not. He's not. I mean, he, he remember he was what. 20 years old and they tried to buy facebook for like 14 billion dollars and he turned it down and I now think that I remember turned make, out pretty well i think i remember him. making fun of him for that oh i thought he was a complete idiot yeah me too i mean because again <laughs> myspace could happen to you in a couple right. years and you have nothing i know it worked out fairly well for, for mark so what does this mean for his 2020 campaign do you believe he's going to run it's where everyone just kind of i guess because we know who he is and he's rich and he seems to have you know interest in political causes we all assume he's running not to mention he has an incredibly uh, well-crafted understanding of the American people, given that the fact that he can look at everything they've ever done 
at any time he wants. Uh, it, it, people are kind of assuming he's going to run. It may happen. Last week, hashtag delete Facebook was trending, trending on Twitter, and some wondered if this was the beginning of the end of the world's largest social networking platform. The company is definitely black and blue and headed toward the red. But it's probably too soon to sound the death knell for Facebook. It will apologize. It will tweak its user policies. It'll vow to do better at protecting your data and all of your secrets. And then your crazy uncle can get back to posting those cat memes in confidence. (laughs) It's Tuesday, March 27th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I think if if I were if I were Facebook, I would be looking for radical changes myself. Well, you know, it's funny because a, a lot of the things that they've had problems with here have they've already changed the policies. They changed them years ago, but we're just kind of now finding out about yeah, it. I, I think, I think, I think radical change um, with the giving people control of the algorithm in some regard. I mean, I don't like the I don't like the fact that uh, you know they have all of our data. I'd like to control my own data. And, uh, and then also I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I really don't think I'm, I'm, uh, comfortable with them deciding who's a trusted source and who's not. I don't want them to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think what their point is, and tell me this is not every progressive politician that has ever held any power, but their point is, yes, we know what you want, but what you want is not right for you. Correct. You should want something else. And they are saying, I think in self-interest here, not even like a, a altruistic or even a political self. I think it's self-interest. And what they're saying is what people are doing is they're getting online and they're angrily fighting out uh, political issues and tweeting stories that are questionable. And that's pissing off other, their other friends. And what it's doing is it's hurting people's experience. Yes, they might stay on the, the the platform longer, but when they leave, they're angry. When they leave, they didn't have a good experience. And everyone keeps talking about deleting Facebook accounts because what am I getting out of it? I've had several family members. I bet you have too, uh, who have gone, have at least made the play that I'm gonna I'm off Facebook for the next few weeks. I'm deleting my Facebook I have, account. I have gr- greatly reduced my personal time on Facebook. I have zero Facebook. Really? Facebook I've greatly worked. I, I like it. It's a chance for me to interact with with you know people. Yeah, I don't. I don't like people. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Much, so well, all I right. don't have that problem. Right. All um, right. But yeah. But sure. <laughs> I, I really you know I don't particularly use it like that. But I hear this all the time. My wife used it all the time, and she just found herself not enjoying it. So I think what Facebook's well, saying is like you'll enjoy it more if you're all you're seeing are pictures of your your friend's dog. And I think, you know, maybe there's something to that, mm-hmm. but they're for, trying to force that change, even though people aren't requesting it. People can, you know, they, they don't have to follow news accounts. They don't have to click like on the Glenn Beck page. Uh, they do that because they want to get the updates from Glenn Beck. And so if you're giving them updates that are based on news because you want them, you know, in, a, in my, you know, free market sense, they should just give you what you're asking for that's what facebook was supposed to do now they're think, trying to manipulate that what do you think about the idea when they because whenever you know they suggest somebody that i should like it's always like no i don't want to like that person no you know i'm you sad should you also, think that about me you should, well <laughs> you get that you should also like no uh-uh. and i i look through all their likes and i'm like no i no uh-uh. 
They don't give me anybody new, different, uh, uh, you know, out of the box. Yeah. Somebody that's, there's no deep thinking. It's like, oh, you're a caveman. Here's another caveman. Right. And you're like, all right, but could you occasionally show me, I don't know, how about a Neanderthal man? Those are the same, dummy. Okay, well, <laughs> Here's I'm a, man a caveman. From long ago who held a club. <laughs> right. All right. Show me a guy who's holding maybe a club made out of bronze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's uh, it, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, as big a problem as, as it's being portrayed as with the data. I mean, I think a lot of that really wasn't their fault. It really wasn't. I mean, I, and, and they've tightened it up anyway since then. But people get sick of these things you know social networks are kind of like clubs right you open a new one and you know you open a new club or a new restaurant in new york city it's trendy for a while and they can go away facebook has been the one that's really made people believe that's not the case it's well, a, it's usually a utility. usually what happens is the club becomes popular and then it and then it becomes you know everything to everybody and then it starts to go dark and then it's just like a biker club, and you're like, okay, we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, the cool kids stuff coming, right? Correct. And that's what did you see the Elon Musk thing uh, the other day? No. So he, Elon Musk is on Twitter, uh, and he starts bashing Facebook in some way. I guess he has some. Uh, he has a little, a bit of an issue with Mark Zuckerberg, hmm. dueling billionaires, hmm. and he tweets something like, "What's Facebook?" You know, just kind of wrecking Facebook. And someone points out to him, "Hey, uh, Elon." Uh, why don't you delete uh, Tesla and SpaceX's Facebook page, which have millions and millions of followers then, if you don't know what it is. And he responded, okay, I'll get to that right away. They've been deleted. Wow. <laughs> he just deleted his Facebook pages from his major companies. And I think they had like, between the two of them, six or seven million followers. That's foolish. Uh, it's not a good business decision. No. But I mean, he, yeah. uh, that's, again, that's this, is why, Musk. this is why being a billionaire is great. Uh, this is why we all need to get there someday. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, when I was a kid, it was called screw you money. It was not called screw you money. It was well, called something was else. Something you else money, money, but uh, had a different letter at the beginning. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And other letters uh, after, <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's what it was called. You know, you just be able to have that. So you could, you could, at any time you could go, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. No, not doing it. Not doing it. You don't have to care. Right. And that's what's so great about being a billionaire. I mean, sure, it's great you can have all the that benefits would be, of That life. would be the advantage of having, you know, even a couple of thousand dollars in the bank. You know what I mean? <laughs> most Americans can't most Americans can't come up with five hundred dollars. Most Americans cannot come up with five hundred dollars. Is that true? Five hundred dollars? Five hundred dollars. From <laughs> I feel like I want to fact check it. I gotta go say, ahead. I gotta go ahead. feel like go I ahead. want to fact check it. Go ahead. I want you to fact check it right now. We'll wait. We'll wait. Go ahead. Do you have any? I can, you have you, any, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, no, no. Think, think, give me some think music. Give me some Jeopardy music. Give me something here, uh, Sarah, just to, while we have Stu, who doesn't believe me. Oh, that's nice. Soothing. Not what I was looking for, but it'll do. Uh, this is a little different, as usual, from the Glenn Beck. This is why turn, I turn exist. up to, turn up the music. No, 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 go stop the music. Okay, this is this is why America. I exist. It is uh, actually <laughs> this is what I pay him for. No, uh, well, and, and you you did see a story about this, um, and it is a five hundred dollars surprise expense would put most Americans into debt. Does that mean they cannot come up with five hundred dollars? That means that a surprise expense yeah, okay. of five hundred dollars. All right, but isn't that the same thing? It would put you in debt. It's not. It's I can't. 
I don't have $500. Can I go borrow it? Yes. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, but I, I don't have $500. So I meant the same thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's not that, like they can't, you know. Because, I mean, I think that that's, that's why you have credit, right? So if you have a circumstance in which you don't have the money, you're able to come yeah, up with does it. it surpri- does it surprise you that people don't have $500? It's, it's a very high amount. And, you, and, and, and that's just the United States, which where things are relatively uh, good. You know, if you make $32,000 a year, oh, geez. do you make $32,000 a year? I think you're just cleared that now, Glenn. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Uh, there's many people who don't. Uh, but $32,000 a year is uh, is not thought of as a high salary in the United States, right? right. Like you, it's Average salary is what, 55 50, or 59? Yeah, yeah mid-50s. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you are make $32,000 a year, you are in the one richest 1% in the world, the wealthiest 1%. The whole thing about, we've talked about this before, progressives love to bash the wealthiest 1%, but all their union members are all in it when you look at it globally. And where does it, if they treat these things the same way uh, as they do here in the United States, it's take the money from those rich one percenters and give it to everyone else. And it's funny, the, the, the progressives here don't mention that stat all that often, but you know where they mention it? Everywhere else in the world. You know, what's really weird, Stu, is you know how the unions have lost their hold mm-hmm. on America? Mm-hmm. Do you know that those unions have branched out to hmm. other countries? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they like to go to the poor countries. And you know what they say? The wealthiest 1% in the world. You know those rich people making $32,000 in America? We need to take their money. How do we do it? And they have, uh, they have organized people. And they are made. These are mass movements around the world to try to make that into a reality. Now, hmm. it's not easy. But uh, I don't this know is how what we, they do. I don't know how we got here. I don't even know how I got to $500. Can you trace it back? Anybody? Anybody? How did we get here to $500? Wow. This is is not what we do. Oh, we were talking about Facebook. We're talking about Facebook. Talking about Zuckerberg was a a billionaire and he has all this money. uh, And we talked about whether Ah, that would affect him. That was a... S you money. Screw you money. Screw you money. Screw you money. Mm -hmm. The average person doesn't have screw you money. I think the government should pass out screw you money. Oh, wait, the Fed is already doing that, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except we're the ones getting screwed, strangely. Liberty Safe. Just a great company. It builds safes here in America. I don't know how many safes they were building when we first started uh, with them, but now they're, they're huge. They... They make all of the Cabela safes. Were you with them the other day when they came in? I was not. They they make they make the name brand safes for all of these other companies, uh, and now their name is becoming so popular and so important that like Cabela's, it now says Cabela's by Liberty. Liberty Safe is just this little company that could, that just thought, you know what, we can still make them better here in America. And they made these safes to where, you know, they could drop their competitor safe from two stories on top of a Liberty. Their competitor would split open. The Liberty was intact. And when they reversed it and they dropped the Liberty, 
on to the other competitor safe. It was even funnier. Uh, anyway, Liberty Safe. Right now, you can buy a Liberty Safe at a great price and receive 12 months interest free payments with zero down and zero APR. They offer Liberty Safes now for as low as $20 a month. These are really good safes. If you have valuables or you have guns that you want to make sure are protected, peace of mind, lifetime warranty, in home delivery service that's unmatched in the industry. When you buy a Liberty Safe, Buy a bigger one. That's the number one complaint. Should have bought a bigger one. And have it installed in your home. Now with 12 months interest-free payments for as low as $20 a month on approved credit. Act now. Protect your valuables. Always protected with a Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com now. The home of the best-built safes on the planet. It's LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Welcome, welcome to the program. Kim was there too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Kim Kardashian. What, uh, do you, what do you? What do you? What do you? Did Chloe go on that trip? You know, I think Chloe was there as well. I don't. First, Kim Kardashian went to Cuba. Uh huh. Now Kim Jong Un has gone to China. So I feel like a new series. I mean, Kim Ryan Seacrest, as we know, can pretty much make money on anything. Right. Uh, he he's the people don't realize this. He's the executive producer of all the Kardashian stuff. So you think he's made money off American Idol? He laughs at you when you bring up American he Idol. Laughs. He laughs at you. He laughs. Ha <laughs> 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 ABC's ratings are down. Ha 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 I don't care, peasants. <laughs> he's the guy who's doing all that stuff yeah. and has made a fortune off of it, obviously. And, and so, I mean, if you could get Kim Jong-un to sign, and then you can kind of follow him around the world for all of his adventures, I think it could be a really good show. Isn't it weird that Dick Clark... Uh, was replaced really kind of by like the same guy, Ryan Seacrest, because yeah. he could just do everything and has his yeah, hands in everything. Has his hands in absolutely everything. They both started in music, and they're both kind of like this clean cut, behind the scenes kind of guy. They have one really big show, but then you know they're the puppet master behind. And now, and now we do Kim Kardashian. Then we rule the world. <laughs> uh, I was uh, amazed at the coverage of the Kim Jong-un to China thing because they don't actually know he's there. <clears throat> they keep the, the, the initial coverage was we saw a giant 21 car train. No, 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 no. We saw a giant old 21, 21 car train. train. And we think who on earth would be in that train? It's probably Kim Jong-un. Yeah. That's a well. Who's you know? It's kind of like if you're in L.A. and you see somebody driving an old you know steam automobile, you know that's probably Jay Leno. <laughs> in this case, you see somebody in an old timey train, not because he thinks it's cool. It's because that's the best they can do. Mm-hmm. It's Kim Jong Un. It is interesting, though. I mean, I, I think uh, there does seem to be some discussions going on. Uh, ahead of the potential Trump meeting with Kim Jong-un, as he's discussed. You've also seen the uh, the interesting China trade discussions, which is like, they were like, hey, we might do tariffs, and the, the market dropped by 1,100 points. And then the news came out yesterday, it's like, God, maybe we won't do tariffs, and then the market went up by 700 points. I, there may be a lesson in there somewhere. There may <laughs> somewhere be right. a lesson. What do you think that lesson is? Maybe tariffs aren't a great idea. No, that can't be the lesson. 
You don't think? No, I don't think so. There's got to be another. Oh, lesson. the lesson is always have a cool 21 car train that's really old that you can right. go to China with. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you've got there it. There we go. Now you've got it. Back in a minute. Glenn Beck Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. You go right to uh, Jason, who is uh, our head writer and head researcher, specializing in uh, foreign affairs. Uh, and war. He is a former military intelligence guy. Jason, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you. Good. Um, you've been watching Russia for us. Um, a lot of people have been saying, you know, Donald Trump, he's not tough on Russia. That's concerned me, but not lately. And what he did yesterday is gigantic. Probably the biggest thing that we've done against Russia since the 1980s. Am yeah. I wrong? Ninth, no, absolutely right. 1986, I believe, was the last time we took such strong retaliatory measures. What was it for? I don't remember. I don't remember either, um, but it was during the Reagan administration and the height of the Cold War. And yeah. some very, very nasty times. And that's uh, this. We haven't even gotten this close. Obama expelled uh, a bunch of Russian diplomats, which everyone thought was you know going to be you know the linchpin that was going to kick a lot of stuff off. Um, the Trump administration actually, you know, before they were actually in office, kind of. Sounds like they got Mike Flynn to convince Kislyak and the Russians that, hey, don't worry about it, don't retaliate. That's actually the only time the Russians did not retaliate back with some kind of reciprocity. That was the only time. Every other time that we kick out some of their spies, diplomats, they respond, you know, equally. So have they responded yet? Um, they have not responded yet. They have re- they have pledged to retaliate. Uh, Putin's uh, um, spokesman, Peskov, said that they were looking at ways to do it, and then Putin personally would give the order. I think the last thing I saw was that Putin said that this was like gross blackmail or something like that, quote unquote. <laughs> but look at some of these numbers. It's pretty insane, just for the scope of, of this. I think we're over, up over 130 some odd Russian diplomats or spies have been ejected from their country all over the world. That includes 60 from the United States. We shut down a actual full-on consulate in Seattle uh, to include in this. But the U.K. kicked out 23. The Ukraine kicked out 13. Wow. NATO 10, France 4, Germany 4, Poland 4, Canada 4. <laughs> I, I don't have time. I'd waste the entire broadcast going through all this. But everybody seems pretty united in this. The only people that are denying that this chemical attack that happened on U.K. soil, that it was the Russians, are the Russians, which is pretty much how they play it. Mm. Everybody knows who did it. I, what do you think is coming from this? Um, I think that Russia will respond in kind. I think that they'll... I mean, the last time that they responded pretty heavily was after some sanctions. They kicked out around 750-ish U.S. diplomats. So now I think, and this is kind of interesting, how Trump administration actually targeted uh, Russian spies on top of diplomats. Mm. Now that's kind of like an unspoken thing within the spy world, is that, okay, we're going to allow you to play your little spy games in our country, as long as you allow us to play a few spy games in your country. Can we get our, who's that spy that we had on? Remember, he was so great, uh, the Russian spy. Barsky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we get him on tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'd be great. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, so, the American starts up tomorrow. So that's it tomorrow. Perfect, that's tomorrow. Oh, perfect wow. timing. I, can't time. <laughs> I love the American. You watch the Americans? So no, I'm not. So, Stu, you were saying earlier, and I find this really interesting because a lot of people say you should go after uh, the oligarchs, but that might actually help Putin because he's trying to repatriate 
all of the money that these oligarchs had taken out. Yeah, and it actually, sh- the theory <clears throat> is that it show it actually will strengthen him within his own country because he, he a the, all these oligarchs will have to bring the money back into <laughs> Russia, uh, and b he will show he will have more control over them. He wants control over that money. Uh, so I mean, these are not easy problems to solve. Um, you know, but it does seem that the, the Trump administration ha- has taken a, a good hard turn on this and the people he's surrounding. I mean, certainly Bolton coming in is is, is, a, is a move in that direction. Mm-hmm. I, I actually heard this piece of analysis, however, on, uh, on CNN. I think it was yesterday. And they said, well, is this a big move uh, against the uh, against the Russians? Is this showing a hardening of a position by Trump? And I don't remember who it was, but they said, uh, yeah, well, it definitely is showing that. However, uh, we still have not seen Trump tweet about Russia like this. I mean, he tweets about everything and he has he will not tweet about Russia. There's something going on. He will not tweet about Russia. For, now you want him to tweet more? You actually want him to tweet about more diverse topics? That's your your new analysis here? And the idea is, I am thrilled with a world in which Donald Trump has the right policies and doesn't tweet about them. That's a fantastic solution to all of this and now the media has come to a point in which they're criticizing him for not tweeting it's so utterly unbelievable well the, the deal is is if somebody says it on cnn does anybody know it <laughs> well now you do <laughs> yeah now you do all right thanks <laughs> the Jason. more you, you know all right uh Stu, mm-hmm. down to the dwindling few minutes left in the program yes i've got uh three stories choose your news as as I gave you the opportunity, I think last hour of the hour before, Cat returns home after two days. Uh, well, two days after he, he was buried. Uh, man drowns. To, headline number two. Man drowns while practicing holding his breath, police say. And uh, and headline number three. Holy cow, I just threw up on international television. Oh, God. I have I kind of want the dead cat story because <laughs> I'm wondering if this is a pet cemetery situation and I'm worried about it. You think that the cat may have come back to life? Well, and... that's what happened in the documentary Pet Cemetery. Yes. Okay, that that was a that was a Stephen King book. Anyway. Oh, it was a book? Is that was the book magically moving on my television, Mister Beck? <laughs> Hits you so hard. The Robinson family said goodbye to their beloved cat Willow. It was an emotional service. They buried their their cat under a tree in the backyard. Johnny and Katrina Robinson watched as their sons, Josh, seven, Buddy, four, sobbed over their 18-month-old male cat. It disappeared, uh, you see. There was a bad storm, winter storm, and uh, the rain and the snow, and Johnny was worried about the cat every night. Buddy was worried, and Josh was worried, and they sobbed, and they they cried every night. Oh, no. They hadn't... Dad said, I haven't seen my son cry for a long time. Boys were very upset. Dad was upset. They had to skip school to mourn the animal, but Dad set him down and said, you know, this is what happens with cats sometimes and animals. And they, they're lost. It's the circle of life. Circle of life. The kid said, no, he's not dead. I can feel it, Dad. That's when... <laughs> really? 
Yeah, that's 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 like if I could feel it breathing, or I can. No, I just just, metaphysically. I I just know he's. I just know he's alive. So they put missing posters out all over the all on the trees and the and the fence post all over their neighborhood. No one responded. It's when Dad was driving home one night, and he saw a very flat patch of black and gray fur. He pulled the car over. And it was Willow, the cat, <sighs> run over, flat. He came home, showed the kids, hey, look at the cat, look how flat. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a weird twist <laughs> of the story. They buried the cat. They were very upset. They had a little eulogy and everything. But little buddy, four-year-old, wouldn't give up. He said, he's coming back. He put food out. Every night for a week. Dad and mom discouraged him. Said, you know, he's not coming back, son. Until one day they noticed that <laughs> the, the cat food had been eaten. It was just a few days after the memorial service. When they had, when they had buried their black and white striped cat. But there, Johnny in the backyard along with Buddy, seven and four, holding the gray and white striped cat meadow <laughs> apparently in the neighborhood there's another cat that looks just like theirs that had been hit by a car and uh <laughs> <laughs> so they buried somebody else's cat <laughs> oh man ah, it's not good you want to try to bury the dead thing that is it belongs to you. That's you a, it's, it's a goal. Well, I remember him being a little more fluffy. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, well, I did not see that coming. I did not see that one. Coming. Have you ever taken your car in for an oil change and a mechanic finds something wrong and surprise, you're hit with a big repair bill? We were just talking about this. If if you have, you know, if you have a five hundred dollar uh, problem that just pops up on you, most people cannot come up with the five hundred dollars. They don't have five hundred dollars. So you need to put it on a credit card or something else. Man, that sucks. Good thing, though, is you get to help out the banks by paying them some interest. And that makes yeah. you feel good. Makes you about feel much better. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So when that check engine light comes on, you have that sinking feeling in your chest. You're like, oh, no, what is it? Get rid of that feeling. Get car shield. If your car breaks down, they take all the surprise away. If your if your warranty has expired, a simple uh, repair, uh, literally a sensor, can cost you over a thousand bucks. Car Shield will make the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or your dealership do the work; it's your choice. They provide twenty four seven roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. And by the way, you don't have to pay the mechanic and then wait for the check. Car Shield pays the mechanic directly. So if your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. Car Shield, they've already paid out close to $2 billion in claims and they're ready to help you. Save yourself from high repair bills, get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Car Shield, I have it on my cars. 800 Car 6100. 800 car 6100 mention the promo code back or visit carshield.com and use the promo code back and save 10 percent. it's carshield.com promo code back deductible may apply 
Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. We have a lot to get to today. We, there is a, the, a great story out of upstate New York where this couple who had a, you know, a wedding uh, venue, a, a place where, you know, you hold your wedding reception. They're Christian. They didn't want to hold, you know, gay wedding uh, ceremonies there. How do they get around it? What do they do? So they decided that um, they're going to, you know, let anybody use it. You can use it. Um, but a, a good portion of the the um, the cost is going into a donation to the family. What is it? Family Research Council. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, General Boykin's place, I think. So they're so they said that you know that we're just we want to celebrate and we want to uh, support traditional marriage, and so a portion of your uh, of your uh, money will be going to the Family Research Council, and that way they, you know, they can still do it, but you're going to be you're going to be funding something that you don't like. That's like me going and saying, uh, yeah, I'd like to have my uh, I'd like to have my wedding catered by you and. They say, that's fine. We're just going to, you know, we'll give your money to a Soros organization and uh, Bloomberg against guns. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, we, we, I actually had this idea a while ago that it would be fun to do a, a weight loss competition. Where like, mm-hmm. hey, you got to drop some some weight. Um, but if you don't drop the weight, you have to donate like a bunch of money to some terrible cha- charity on the left. Because that would really make you not, I mean, you'd really think about Nah. Maybe not having that twelfth piece of pizza. No, um, I didn't do it because nah. I did not want to make a large donation to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I know. I was um, thinking. So, I was just thinking. <laughs> no, I am absolutely against Planned Parenthood, but no, I'm not going to say no to the pizza. So, <laughs> uh, it, so I'm going to give it to Planned Parenthood and tell them to use it only on other services. Oh, that's right, because it's women's wink. health. Yes. I forgot. I love yeah. women's health for mammograms. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, there's another cool solution to this too uh, on this, um, you know, marriage thing where you know a, a place is hosting marriages and and they have to, you know they want to be able to choose mm-hmm. uh, who they do business with. It's called the Constitution. I like that one. Um, yeah, I like that one. Basically, you have this freedom. It's kind of old timey of religion. It's an old document. It's dusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, say there's a lot of dust on it. Yeah, bad. Um, but you should probably just be able to do the things you want to do um maybe not have to create art for others and bring people into your venue if you don't want to that's another way of looking at it though not really apparently legal i uh, i just i can't leave today without playing this this is one of the speeches from uh, oh no you're not gonna the I've march been trying to delay no, i've been no, trying no, to delay no. you the march for life and uh and uh, for our lives and i and i think this is well you got to hear this speech go ahead and 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 Dang! shot up and the moment we speak up we're scolded that we are not old enough it is as it, it is as if we need permission to ask our friends not to die lawmakers and politicians will scream guns are not the issue but can't look me in the eye some people thought she was maybe crying there but she wasn't Yeah, and the fist in the air. It feels great. No, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm guessing it didn't feel great, but uh, thank you for sharing. There's a bit too much love for international television among this group. 
think so? Yeah. Why no, do you say that? I think, I don't know that I, I mean, again, take away a lot of their really terrible points, which we could, <laughs> yeah. you know, look. Right. We spent two days doing that. Right. Yeah. You wrote an entire New York Times bestseller called Control mm-hmm. on these arguments, and yes. we all know they're really bad arguments. But yes. you know what? A 17-year-old shouldn't be able to debate you on guns. They mm-hmm. shouldn't. I mean, I certainly couldn't at 17 years old. But the idea that they should be continually uh, pushed in front of the media, that the media should continue to demand that they're on 24 hours a day, and that, like, you know, the families are encouraging that. Like, I I don't think, as a parent, and I can't put myself in that position, but as a parent, I would not want my kid out in front of international media every single day. No, and and you know what? It's international media. You have a responsibility. Listen, Listen to this. Is this, who is from CNN... I'm trying to remember. They were interviewing one of the CNN anchors. Oh, it was Brian Stelter, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he had done an interview. And 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 listen to what they say about pushing these teenagers. Do you think in showing these kids so often, as often as we we all do, we're doing actually them a disservice because the policy is actually what's going to change this. The passion, I fear, will just sound like noise after a while, and people will tune it out. Disservice is is a strong word, but when I was interviewing David Hogg uh, only 10 days after the massacre, Mm -hmm. uh, there were a few times I wanted to jump in and and say, let's let's correct that fact. That's so interesting. Let me stop you. And one of the times I did... Stop. Stop. But I did once, but, uh, you know, the rest of him, not so much. What? Glenn Beck. Mercury. 